Wow, so, so good to see all of you. I'm so glad that we're together uh, in, this, in this particular place. And I want to just say hello to everybody joining us online too. We're so glad we can be uh, gathering, whether we're in person or online. But uh, especially if you're new with us, my name is John. I'm lead pastor here. And welcome to Centerpoint. We're about life-changing connections. I hope you're beginning to experience some, praying for that for you. So here we are, two and a half years ago, we embraced and rallied around a vision together. And, and it was just this simple idea that we're God's people and we're followers of Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, we're on the mission of Jesus. And, and we truly believe that Jesus Christ has a mission. He said so. It's in Luke 19.10. He said, the son of man has come to seek and save the lost. And we're about that. And so here we are. I want you to say this verse out loud with me. Ready? Say it. Go. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. And this is the reality. We know that buildings don't save people. But we also know that as we look through the scriptures from the Old Testament through to the New, God has a thing for using places for his people to experience his presence and come to know him better and grow and experience salvation. And so here we are, you know, this, this church, our church, we've always had a facilities plan. We have a ministry plan and that's the mission of Jesus. And that includes a facilities plan. In 1987, when our church first started, the facilities plan was the living room of Marty Edwards, the founding pastor of this church. Uh, 2003, when I came on the scene, our uh, facilities plan was a storefront in the strip mall down by the mill, and that was our facilities plan. And now uh, our campus, this is our facilities plan, and thanks be to God, we've just been able to complete this expansion, and it opened up about 65% more space, and it's for the one that Jesus wants us to reach. To include in his hope, in his kingdom, in his mercy, in his forgiveness, in his love. And so uh, we're kind of making a big deal out of it because it's been a big deal for all of us who've been a part of the journey, especially because it was a year ago, uh, right when the world began to shut down, we started this project and it seemed so ironic. It seemed so <laughs> almost counterintuitive, like what in the world are we doing here? I mean, don't we know that everybody's shutting down and no one's going anywhere? And we just decided, no, God has a plan for our future far beyond this moment. And this is something that takes us for, for decades into the future God has for us of, of continuing to reach the one. And so I wanna just take a moment uh, and give Thanks to a few people. And first of all, to every one of you who have been those faithful ones that Pastor Christina was talking about, that just keep on giving and giving generously and even sacrificially because this kind of thing doesn't happen without a bunch of us just saying, yes, God, and not just lip service, but yes, God, in an offering that it costs me something. And so I earnestly want to just say thank you. Thank you for being those who would do that, who would give the way you have. And I pray that you would sense the pleasure of God, the joy of your Father in heaven, that you would say, I'm going to do something that goes way beyond myself and that goes way beyond maybe even my years. And well done. Thank you for that. And I also just want to say thanks to anybody who was a part of the process of building this place. I mean, we sh showed a little bit of video, but uh, there are a couple of local people that have been a part of it. And I just want to take a moment and say thanks to all the contractors, Visioneering Studios and uh, Prime Electric, Ren Civil Engineering and Pennsylvania Coding, Sound Image, McGee Contracting, and a, a, a bunch of others too, but uh, especially a few that I want to just say a huge thank you to. Uh, Ren Civil Engineering, uh, a, a, a family in our church who just don't, completely donated all of the civil engineering. And then uh, the painting and the grading from Pennsylvania Coding and Grading just completely given, donated. It's a big deal when that kind of thing happens. Yay, God. Yeah, we thank God for those who have been doing the work so, so that we have this, uh, this place. But let me just bring you back to what it's about, because again, we know that buildings don't save people, but God uses buildings and places set apart for his name so that people have a place to encounter his presence, to grow, to experience community, and sometimes to, to be saved for all eternity. And so this is, uh, this is the reality. What this place is about is that mission of Jesus. Let me throw that up one more time, and I want you to say it with me, uh, the scripture in Luke 19.10. Ready? Go. 
for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. That's Jesus in his own words saying, in case you are wondering what I'm about, it's that. It's caring for those who are forgotten. It's taking care of the ones who are falling off the edge. It's reaching out to the ones who've lost their way. It's making sure that the ones who have lost their hope can find it in me. It's making sure the ones who have lost the sense of the love of God can rediscover it. It's making sure that those who are lost come to find the mercy and grace of Jesus. That's the mission of Jesus. And if we're followers of Jesus... We're not just here to go to church. We're here to say yes, Jesus, to your mission, right? And so that's what, that's what this is about. We, we uh, gave this, this series, this vision initiative, the, the phrase, all for the one. And what we did together is we recognized that it, for, for, for God to do his greatest work through us, we might need to give our greatest offering to him. And so we have done that. We have done our all, and we've done it with a sense of that one in our minds. And so I'm grateful that over the years to come, we have a great opportunity, each one of us, to be a part of that mission of Jesus. And I want to ask you to embrace a resolve today. The the goal was not the space. The goal was the mission of Jesus being lived out. And so now we have a lot of space, but it gives us an opportunity to live into that mission of Jesus and say, yeah, who's the one I'm going to be reaching out to? Yes, who is the one that I'm going to be bringing the goodness of God to? Who is the one that I'm praying for? Who is the one that I'm going to invite to be a part of the glory of God and the mercy of God and the care of God together with me? That's what this place is for. And so my, my main idea today is just simply this. I'm jumping into the mission of Jesus, and I'm going to keep on jumping into that mission. I want you to say it with me. Ready? Say it. I'll keep on jumping into the mission of Jesus. Say it one more time. I'll keep on jumping into the mission of Jesus. Come on, one more time. Say it. I'll keep on jumping into the mission of Jesus, even if I've been following him for 20 years already or 50 years already. I'm not going to let myself grow tired of the goodness of God and how the goodness of God comes on this scene and allows someone to be rescued. I'm going to keep on jumping into the mission of Jesus. I, I know that so many of us have a sense of what God has done for us. And when we really think about it, we recognize he did that for me. And what I want to ask you to get in touch with is this, is that if he did that for you, maybe he wants to do that for someone else through you. And what that'll require is for you to not just jump into a seat on a weekend service at church, but for you to jump into the mission of Jesus. Say it one more time. Say it. I'll keep on jumping into the mission of Jesus. That's what we're going to do. Okay, so speaking of jumping in. <laughs> how many of you remember being a high school student and just trying to figure out how you could get a, a, a summer job? Like the summer job, anybody remember those days? I remember being a high school student and I needed to get a summer job. And back east where I grew up, there's a lot of community pools because not everybody had a backyard pool in New Jersey. It's just like that. Anyway, I decided to become a lifeguard. And so I did my lifeguard training and did a month of all of the certificates and, and, and all of that stuff. And I finally, on the last day of the training, I passed the tests and we had a little ceremony and they handed me my certificate and I was officially a lifeguard. I still didn't have a job as a lifeguard, but I was a lifeguard. <laughs> and I was at the pool and it was, you know, community pool back east. It's hot, sweltering, humid day. So there's tons of people there. I mean, the pool deck is totally crowded with people. There's lots of people in the water. It's a lot of commotion. And I'm back over here waiting in line for the diving board. And uh, I'm just watching what's going on and so many people. And I see this kid, he's probably nine or 10. And he gets up on that diving board and he runs to the end and does like a double and then a triple bounce on the board and goes way high in the air, comes down and smacks the back of his head on the diving board and then falls into the water and he didn't come up. 
and he's just sinking and sinking and sinking. And I'm looking over at Megan, uh, not going to say her name, at Megan, this girl, and she was like, we didn't have cell phones at that time, but she was, you know, talking to all of her friends. She might as well have been on Instagram if it had been invented yet, but she's talking to all her friends, and, and I'm like, this kid's drowning, and she's looking this way, talking to her friends, and I can see she's never going to see through the crowd and the commotion and do anything about it, and so right from the back of the line of the diving board, I just ran, and I jumped into the water, and by this point, this kid's near the bottom, and, and I, I grab hold, I do everything that I learned from the instructors. I do the cross chest carry. I push off from the bottom. I get him to the surface of the water. I swim him over to the side, and by that time, some other people got a clue about what was going on, and they were there ready to pull him out of the water, and they pulled him out of the water, and we did the chest compressions. The water came out. It was like one of those scenes from an after-school special, right? And and, and the water came out and he came too. And it was this amazing moment, right? And, and when you really think about it, I mean, that was, my, by the way, my one and only save. And I never even did get a job as a lifeguard. It never happened. I got a job at the yogurt store instead. <laughs> but I, I, rem- I remember that moment. And it's just, I mean, it's one of those always going to remember it kind of moments. And uh, I wasn't the lifeguard, but I dove in. I jumped in anyway. And the reason I did that is because I had a mission. And the mission was rescue this kid. He's drowning. He might not make it. And I I didn't even have to think much about it. It was just kind of a pretty automatic response. I I had been trained. They had told me how to do it. We had practiced on uh, resuscitation, Annie. I mean, we did all of that stuff. And, And so it was time. I just jumped in, grabbed and pulled. Why? Because I had a mission, and that mission also had now an opportunity with that one who needed to be rescued. And somebody had to just recognize that that one needs to be rescued, and it happened to be me. It could have been the the lifeguard who was on duty, but instead it was me. And, and now I want to shift gears because I don't want to talk anymore about community pools and humidity of New Jersey summers and jumping into the water to rescue. I want to talk about the mission that Jesus has for us because I think it's a lot like that. I think it's a lot like that. There might be somebody who's like the designated lifeguard who's supposed to be on duty who maybe they should do something, but maybe, maybe God would be looking at all of us and saying, no, no, I hereby certify all of you to be a part of the rescue. Like I hereby certify all of you to be a part of the mission, the Jesus mission, the mission of Jesus. And he said what his mission was, to seek and save those who are lost. I want you to turn to Luke chapter four right now. And we're gonna turn to Luke chapter four. And while you're turning there to Luke chapter four, here's just a, a thought. I think Jesus was very clear about what he came to do. And from time to time, there are some moments in the scriptures where it it just jumps out. It's Jesus saying, I know, I know, you thought it was just about coming to church services once a month. But let me just dial you in a little bit on what's really going on. And so in Luke 4, it's one of those kinds of moments. So you turn into Luke 4 right now. This is early in the ministry of Jesus. But nevertheless, he's ready to just say, let me make sure you know. And so this is what we read in uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 14. It said, Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the eyes of the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down, and all eyes on the synagogue looked at him intently. And then he began to speak to him. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Mike, drop Jesus 
right there, right? And when I read this part of the scripture, I think about Jesus and what he's doing in this moment. And, and he's dealing with a lot of people who had gotten used to a, a kind of a religiosity that was more known for just ceremony and ritual and motions and piety. And it's as though Jesus is saying, look, those things, you know, they may be uh, ha having their place, but there's so much more. And if you're really going to be a part of my mission, let me tell you what it looks like. And Jesus here in this moment, he begins to grab hold of the words of the prophet Isaiah. He's quoting Isaiah 61 and also Isaiah 42. And he's, he's bringing those words of the prophet into that synagogue and saying, that's about me. That's about my kingdom, my mission. And so for any of us who are followers of Jesus, we need to pay attention. So, so let me just ask the question. Raise your hand if you're a follower of Jesus. Just anybody, right? A whole lot of us. And if you're at home, just type in, I'm a follower of Jesus. Just say it. Listen, if we're followers of Jesus, then we need to take to heart what Jesus says about his own mission. Because this moment is kind of like the mission manifesto from Jesus, and, and he's, he's explaining it in personal terms. I think it's more than just quoting Isaiah. I think it's Jesus saying, you need to let this define what your experience of following me is really all about. And so as I hear these words of Jesus, and if I think about them that way, if I think about them as, oh, this is Jesus giving me a clue of what he really wants, what he's really after, then I have to also ask myself, is there anything about my life that might need to change? Because if I'm going to keep on jumping into the mission of Jesus, and I got y'all to say it already, then maybe I need to pay attention when he starts dropping his mission manifesto on me. And maybe I do need to let it mess with me a little bit. Maybe I do need to evaluate, wow, if that's what the Jesus mission looks like, what am I doing with my opportunity to join him in that mission? I don't mean this in any kind of a guilt kind of a way. I, I, I believe that all of us, we get to experience the grace of God for our lives. But sometimes we also need to get the nudge of the Holy Spirit moving so that we can feel a little bit of what God wants us to feel. And what drives Jesus is a passion for those who are broken, alone, afraid, hurting, wounded, and needing community, and needing ultimately his perfect gift of salvation. That drives Jesus. And if you could think about it this way, that drove Jesus to work in your life to bring his gift of salvation to you. And so because you enjoy it, because you have that gift of salvation from Jesus, recognize the treasure that it is and get ready to share it. Get ready to give it. Jump into that, that mission of Jesus. And I want to just take you through this scripture a little bit. And, and I, I recognize something at the very beginning of this particular passage that I want to make sure we see together. And that is that the mission of Jesus starts with the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, let, let's go through it uh, together. In verse 14, it just started that way. It said, then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Why don't you read this one out loud? Ready, go. Then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. You know what? Jesus was already filled with the Spirit. He was already led by the Spirit. In fact, he's coming back from the temptation in the wilderness. But the scripture here makes a distinction to identify, yes, he's filled with the Spirit, but in particular, filled with the Spirit's power. And that's not just a byline. That's not just an introductory remark. That's there by the, by the design of God because Jesus is showing us what kingdom life looks like. If you're really going to keep on jumping into the mission of Jesus, do it his way. And do you see that his way starts with being filled with the Holy Spirit's power? And, and can it be said of you, Melanie returned to the classroom full of the Holy Spirit's power? Could it be said of you, Donna returned to the hospital full of the Holy Spirit's power? Could it be said of you, John went back to his family and 
got right into the family room, full of the Holy Spirit's power. I mean, on and on it goes. I think this is what, what we're meant to experience. And I think part of why this part of the scripture starts this way, before Jesus begins to drop that kingdom manifesto, this gives us a picture of what God wants. And it's for you and I not to do the kingdom ministry life, that mission of Jesus' life on our own strength, because we'll just get tired out. To not try to do the mission of Jesus just by striving or, or putting a little bit more effort into it, because that'll wear us out too. But instead, to be like Jesus and allow ourselves to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit's power. Now, let me ask you a discipleship question. How does that make you feel? When, when I bring that in front of you, just that idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit's power, what does that do to you? For some of us, maybe it makes us excited. For others of us, maybe it makes us a little apprehensive. But I'm just telling you, from a biblical point of view, this is the Jesus model. I want you to ask yourself a discipleship question about you. How would you assess yourself in terms of your own experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit's power? And what if our answer is, well, I remember there was this time, like uh, four years ago, I was at this conference and I really got zapped. And, no, no, but I mean not four years ago. I mean right now, in your life. Like, what's up? Are you following Jesus and his way? Because his way is marked by this, by resting in the grace of God, being filled so much with the love of God that then the power of the Holy Spirit is on your life. This is Jesus and his model of doing ministry. I'm going to jump down to verse 18. This is when Jesus stood up and imagine him. He's standing there in front of everybody, picks up the scroll of Isaiah, rolls it open, and he says those words, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Read this out loud with me. Ready? Go. Say it. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. We've already established that this isn't just Jesus quoting Isaiah 61 and 42. This isn't just about Jesus. It's actually, by extension, meant to be about any of the rest of us that are following Jesus and that are jumping into the mission of Jesus. And so again, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And I want to simply say this to you. Jesus' mission is meant to be carried out by people who are secure in their identity and calling and purpose. When Jesus here quotes Isaiah, he is establishing a few things. And first of all, he's establishing where the strength for mission comes from. And it comes from a secure sense of healthy identity. It might not be obvious at first blush, but he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me. That's a reference to the Old Testament pattern of a king being designated. He's been smeared with oil. That's what that word means. Smeared with oil that designates this is the king. This is royalty. This is the one who has the authority of God. That's what that word anointing means. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Ministry and the mission of Jesus comes from having an awareness of what the spirit of God is doing. And for any of us who would say, okay, I'm, I'm going to keep jumping into the mission of Jesus. This is what we need as well. We need to be people who have an awareness of what the Spirit of God is doing. When Jesus quotes that Isaiah 61 passage, he's saying, I'm sensing this, that the Spirit of God is upon me for a calling and a purpose. And the same is meant to be true for every single one of us, that we could say it too. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I want you to make that personal, and I want you to say it again. And, and this time, don't make it just that you're quoting the scripture that Jesus quoted, but let it be that you're making this a declaration about you too. Try it on for size. Just try it for a second. Say it. Go. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. I want you to just put your hand on your chest for a second. Take a deep breath and just say it. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Say it. 
the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Say it again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Yeah. Keep your hand on your chest for one more second. Maybe even cross it and say it. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And so there's this sense of destiny, purpose, and calling that comes through these words. Bring good news to the poor. His idea wasn't just that we would personally have the opportunity to be saved and, yay, I get to go to heaven when I die. But instead, he's saying, yes, you have that, but also you have an empowerment for right here and right now to touch this world with my glory, to touch this world so that the broken experience my healing, to bring hope where there's despair, to bring a blast of light from God into the darkest places, to break sin and shame off of people. I mean, this is what we get to be a part of. Bring good news to the poor. The poor, I mean, we we can talk about any kind of poverty, and there's lots of kinds of poverty. There's financial poverty. There's emotional poverty. There's relational poverty. There's spiritual poverty. And you know what God's plan is for whatever kind of poor there might be? Look to your right for a second. That's God's plan. Mm -hmm. Him, her, them. Remember how you had your hands crossed on your chest? That's God's plan. Yeah, he's anointed you. If you have given your life to Jesus and said yes to him, he said, great, now tag your it, let's go. I mean, that's the kingdom reality. Let me keep reading in verse 18 in the next part of it. It says, he has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. There there is a world around us hoping to experience some kind of good luck. But God's solution is so much more thoroughgoing than that, and it's his favor. And you and I get to be those who are sent commissioned by Jesus in his mission that we do with him to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And I'm telling you, I want God's favor in my life way more than I want good luck. And I get the privilege of being able to be used by God to declare the time of God's favor to the world around me. That's what we get to do. And there is that one Maybe you even wrote their names down on the risers in this place a few months ago. And that one needs to know that the time of the Lord's favor really is at hand. And you just might be the one that God is calling to reach that one. I want you to try that, uh, that main idea on one more time. Say it with me. Um, I'll keep jumping into the mission of Jesus. Say it with me. I'll keep jumping into the mission of Jesus. And he just spelled it out for us, what it looks like. What I think this mission of Jesus calls for is boldness. Boldness. When we, when we began this experience together, we started out singing, our God is the lion, the lion of Judah. And that's part of the reality of the identity of our savior. And we get to be bold like the lion of Judah. And in fact, we're called to be. And when I think about boldness, I think about my coffee that I have in the morning. You know, uh, everybody has their own ideas about coffee, right? And I have some pretty strong ideas about coffee. And, and you know that if you've been with me for a while. I'm AeroPress every single day, fresh ground beans. And, and my wife and I make our coffees at different times because I get up earlier and, and all that. But anyway, a couple of weeks ago, we happened to make some coffee at the same time as each other. And uh, I was just looking at that and going, huh. So, so here's her coffee. It, it's... it's uh, yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, the picture on my phone, it looks literally like tea. And then here's my coffee. My coffee is, yes, <laughs> bold, like that, right? <laughs> I mean, putting them side by side, uh, mine is coffee, hers is cough tea. And that's kind of how it is. Like, that's what, what, 
Okay, I, I love and honor and respect my wife, and she can do the coffee however she wants to. But if you'd let me just kind of continue with the analogy for a moment. For some of us, we've been doing our Christian life a little bit like the one on the left. Like we've been doing our Christian life where it's, it's kind of, I mean, to be honest, weak sauce, right? Like we just, we're watching, we're spectating, you know, we're hoping somebody somewhere is doing all that crazy Jesus stuff. But, but I'm, I'm thinking that what God is looking for is a generation of people that would say, wait, give me the one on the right. I'm jumping into the mission of Jesus. I'm bringing the kingdom left and right. I'm going to help see the captives set free. I'm going to see that those who are in darkness experience the burst of the light of heaven. I'm going to make sure that I do my part in the earth to bring the goodness of God to that one. Somebody shout amen. This is what we're here for. I'm so grateful that God has invited us into his mission. Man, we're blessed. We get to be on the adventure. That he's not just looking for spectators, he's looking for participants in, in his kingdom ministry. And we get to do our part. I want you to just envision yourself for a moment. Imagine, like maybe you're at, imagine one of those moments at work, or maybe it's at uh, that place where you go with your kids and, and all the other parents, you meet together, or maybe it's that sports field where you, ha- ha- well, not as much this year, but you have games with your, your kids Imagine those kind of places where you would be other than here. And could you just imagine for a moment, like the other people around you, they're down the hall from you, uh, they're you know, in a different room over here, you see them in the break room, you, you get there early to the job site and, and you fist pump them, those kind of people, just imagine for a moment. And could you just imagine, and just envision it. Imagine that one day you kind of strike up a conversation, and maybe it's as simple as, do you ever think about spiritual things? I mean, just start real easy and see where the conversation goes. And could you imagine yourself thinking or saying to somebody, here's what I've experienced. God forgave my sin through Jesus and gave me new life, and I live with this crazy different kind of strength and power inside of me that and this hope that I have about heaven that carries me can I'm asking you I'm pleading with you can you imagine yourself saying words like that or or in your own voice but words like that that might just begin to open the door for somebody to begin to think about whether they could be one who would live like you do and and now if you could have just imagined that I commission you to go do that, to be the one who would have that conversation. And maybe you take it full tilt and you bring it all the way through to let me spell out the gospel for you. And maybe, and I commission you to do that too. But maybe the friendship grows and maybe it takes five conversations over a few months. And that's fine too. But let's keep jumping into the mission of Jesus Let's recognize the sacred trust he's given us and do what we can to be a part of it. Jesus told this story in Luke chapter 15. And it's familiar, right? But he's trying to get the point across of how much this matters. And this is what he said. He said, if a man had 100 sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one? Everyone say the one. Won't he go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he'll call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I've found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and turns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. This is Jesus saying, I want you to know what my heart beats for. And what my heart beats for is for people to know my redeeming, forgiving, merciful, unfailing love. It's Jesus saying, this is what you've received, and this is what I want you to be part of bringing to as many others as you can. That one matters to God just as much as you did before you were able to believe and receive his goodness and his mercy. And so uh, all for the one is our, our vision. The expansion of our space here is part of the plan that we've had to continue 
doing the mission and seeing the vision realized. And I just want to make sure that we're straight on that, that we're all on the same page on that. And, and that when we talk about coming here, we're coming to the church building. But as the church, we're jumping into the mission of Jesus, and we're going to keep on doing it. So uh, on, on my wrists, I have this bracelet uh, that uh, you've probably seen. I have a couple of them, actually, but they're the all for the one bracelet. And uh, I wear it as a reminder to myself so that wherever I'm going, I'm, it's just reminding me. That one might be around me over here in this coffee shop. That one might be this waitress that I'm talking to right now. That one might be this person that I'm uh, walking past in the hospital, right? The, the, I want you to have this reminder too. So today, on your way out, especially if you head out through those two back doors, uh, our ushers will be there to hand one of these out for you. And I want you to put it on, and I want you to pray God Help me to have eyes for the one. Would you do that? Okay, speaking of having eyes for the one. The, the one is right around. I mean, up close and personal in Murrieta, Temecula, Menifee, Lake Elsinore, Moreno Valley, uh, Fallbrook, all around here. But the one is also far from here. And we have the privilege as a church of partnering with uh, several different missionaries uh, that are part of the mission of Jesus far from here. You might remember that about four-ish years ago, we sent out a young couple, Scott and Mandy Pulliam. And Scott and Mandy Pulliam went to Mozambique. They lived there for three and a half years. And they laid their lives down to reach people in the forgotten villages of, of places that no, no one here probably even knows about. But Scott and Mandy do. And they came back to be a part of our school of ministry. And they're about to leave to go to Nepal for however many years God would have them there. And I want us to welcome Scott Pulliam to come up and share with us about that. Come on up. Let's see. There we go. Scott Pulliam, everyone come on over into the middle. So Scott, uh, we've been on a long journey for a number of years from a long time ago. Uh, were you in the youth group here? <laughs> Way back. Yeah, and so we're, we've sent you out once and we're sending you out again. And this time to Nepal. I sat down with Scott and I, I was like, I'm so excited you're going to Nepal. Where is Nepal? <laughs> Honestly, I just I hadn't really thought about it much for some reason. It's like somewhere with mountains, right? <laughs> Would you do us a favor? Tell us a little bit about Nepal and um, Make sure to use the mic so everyone online can hear you too. So tell us about Nepal. Yeah, so uh, like John said, I lived in Mozambique, Africa, Southeast Africa, three and a half years, but now I'm going to Asia. Um, we actually have the, the first picture, if you could put it up. Uh, it's a map. We are sandwiched right between China and India. Nepal's that long, narrow, uh, mountainous country. That's where the Himalayas are. That's where Mount Everest is. It's the second poorest country in Asia after North Korea. So that's, that's where we'll be living. And tell us about the people there. Are, uh, is, are, yeah. is it like most Asian countries? What's it like? Yeah, it's, it's 90 some percent Hindu, majority Hindu. Uh, you get some Tibetan Buddhism in the north by the border of China. Um, but yeah, Christianity is a very small minority. That being said, it's a very rapidly growing religion there. Uh, we're joining a team there with the organization Iris Global. And they said there's tremendous hunger for Jesus in the gospel. Wow, awesome. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So Scott told me the other day that the person that they're going to partner with in Kathmandu or outside of Kathmandu, uh, Joel, is the one missionary who has seen one of the high priests of the, the, the Hindu movement leave the temple and become a follower of Jesus. And Scott shared with me, I want to see the second high priest leave the temple. I thought that was amazing. But what else, what else are you going there to do? Yeah, so Iris Global is the organization we're working with, and they have a children's home, if you could put up the second picture. Um, so they, they have about 30 children. They, they've rescued almost 40 children off the streets. Six of them have already moved out and gotten jobs, but they have 30 there now, uh, boys and girls. Um, and then the next picture, if you can. The, another main part of their ministry there is, is street ministry. There's a lot of poor in Kathmandu. These are the streets of the Kathmandu area. You can go to the next picture. 
This is a lot of people's living, living conditions. So I've walked there. They love on the poor very well. There's a team of missionaries there, and they share the love of Jesus with the poor, and they want to see the untouchables become royalty in the kingdom of God. So I'm, yeah, very excited. I got to do that with them a little bit. Uh, you can go to the next picture. Another ministry they have is they, they have churches way up in the Himalayas. I mean, they trek for four days sometimes. You can't take any car or helicopter or anything to these villages because they're so high. But they have church buildings there. So this is worship in one of their little churches. They do discipleship. Uh, you can go to the next picture. Uh, this man here, so that's his wife on the left. She was a Christian, and he was not for a very long time, but he allowed her to go to church and be Christian. And then there was one evening he could not go to bed without giving his life to Jesus. It just hit him. And so they woke up the pastor, and he went to the church at 10 p.m. and gave his life to Jesus, and so he could go to bed. <laughs> so, wow. yeah, that's what wow. I'll be joining in. Yeah. Wow. So Scott and Mandy, when they went to Mozambique, it was just Scott and Mandy. Uh, And then they came back with two kids. And then over the last year, they had their third. And so they've got Farron and Trinity and Cannon uh, that are going to Nepal with them. And so their family has grown. And, but here's what's, here's what's interesting is that our support level for them hasn't quite grown. And so I just think that maybe some of us ought to consider, you know what, I love that kind of thing. And if God's giving you a heart to be a part of the support team for Scott and Mandy, uh, they have a table out front by the Connection Center on the patio. And you can find out more, in, in particular, if you, if you want to be a financial supporter, they need some support. And they've got a, a tremendous ministry to do. And they, they went to Mozambique three and a half years, and the plan is to be in Nepal for as long as God wants them to be. I have a feeling it's probably going to be longer even than they were in, in Mozambique. And I just want you to know that if you support Scott and Mandy, I mean, we as a church already do, but I think there's something about individuals also saying, yeah, I know that our church is officially, you know, supporting this couple, but personally, I want to be a part of it. And maybe for somebody, it's, I can't do much money-wise, but then put your name in to get their newsletter and, and covenant to pray for them. Because in a 97% Hindu nation, they're going to need the people of God over here praying for God's power to come. And so uh, let's, let's do what we can. And so I, I would ask you to consider doing that. And you can stop by their table and, and get the details about how to do it. But uh, I would like us to take a moment. They're leaving just the, uh, a couple of days after Easter. But this weekend, we're commissioning Scott and Mandy and the family, and tonight we just have Scott with us, but let's take a moment and um, let's pray. You can extend a hand towards them, and Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for Scott and Mandy and Farron and Trinity and Cannon for this family that has laid themselves down before you and said, wherever, Lord, and from the poorest of the poor in Mozambique and now to the second poorest in Asia in Nepal to share the love of Jesus, to see the kingdom of God, the glory of God established. So Lord, we commission them now. We commission Scott. We declare that Centerpoint Church believes in Scott and Mandy and the Pulliam family and the ministry that they're doing. And we ask for your glory to come, your kingdom to be established, your power to come, miracles to unfold, supernatural healings to happen, prophetic words that break people free. God, that that there would be many who would end up leaving the temple and saying yes to Jesus because Scott and Mandy showed up in Kathmandu. God, we pray your blessing. We pray covering protection that wherever there's a curse or hex or spell or some plan of the devil, that the blood of Jesus is a mighty shield all about them and that they experience uh, more and more testimonies of how they were defended, how they were protected, how the glory of God was like a shield and a covering for them. And so, Lord, thank you for the testimonies that we're going to hear in months and years to come. We thank you for the Pulliam family, and we bless them to go full of strength and love in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people say together, amen, 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 amen. Amen, amen, amen. So Luke chapter 15, verse 7, just one more time. Jesus said it like this. He said, I need you to know that all of heaven rejoices when this one thing happens, 
and his words in particular were, there was more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents of their sin and turns to God. And this is something that, for me personally, I had to have an awakening inside to finally do. And for many of us who would say, I'm a follower of Jesus, this is where it began. A moment in time of repenting of sin and turning to God. Repenting of sin is about having the lights go on in our mind and recognizing, man, this, I thought this was so good. It's actually been so bad for me. And it's left me with guilt and shame that I can't shake off. And, and when that happens, that repenting happens. It's so good because then we can pivot. We can move in a new direction. And the direction we get to turn in is the direction of our heavenly father. We repent of our sins. The lights come on. We turn to God. And God looks to us through Jesus Christ. And the mercy and love of God shines upon us through Jesus. And we get to have a moment of of repenting and turning to God. And when we do that, we ask him to forgive our sins and save us. He does it. And then we walk in to the reality of the kingdom of God. And every one of us are meant to come into that place of knowing that we're forgiven, knowing that we're, we're forgiven and saved and set free. And so I want to pray that uh, for every one of us who are believers, that we would <laughs> remember how glorious, how amazing it is to be forgiven, to know the Lord our God, to be our Savior. And for someone else, I'm praying for you right now that God would do that spiritual awakening for you. And so take a moment, would you, and would you pray with me? Pray with me. Let's pray. God, thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that uh, for any of us who would say we are, we are Christians, that what that means is that you allowed us to wake up one time. And we woke up spiritually. And in that waking up, we repented of our sin. We didn't do anything. We just turned away from our sin in repentance and we turned to you, God. And when we asked you to forgive us and save us, you did. And so we just stand forgiven, saved, filled with hope. And we're grateful. And just with me together, why don't you just say, God, thank you for saving me. If you know Jesus, just say it. God, thank you for saving me. God, thank you for saving me. Thank you, Lord. Now, for somebody, you're you're with me right now, whether in person or online, and you're going, I don't even know where I stand with God. And right now, in this moment, I believe that God is moving to wake you up. Just like an alarm clock might go off in the morning and you feel a stirring and you kind of have to finally reach out. That alarm clock's ringing right now. It's God saying, I want you to know my mercy and love. But he doesn't force it on you. It's available. But what you get to do is what Jesus talked about. Repent from sin and turn to God. And so maybe for somebody right now, what you need to do is exactly that. Repent from sin and turn to God. Just have a mindset shift that what you thought was so good is actually no good at all. And and you feel it already. But just acknowledge it and repent of the sin. Turn to God. He waits with arms wide open to receive you. to, To wrap his arms around you, arms of embrace and forgiveness and love. For somebody right now, this is what you need to do. Repent of sin. Turn to God, just like Jesus talked about. So while we're praying together, Lord, I pray that you would do that awakening in this moment. And for somebody, if you're with me right now uh, in person or online, and you would say, I need to do that. I want to ask Jesus to forgive my sin. I want to turn from sin and turn to God. While everyone else is praying, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand really high. If you're saying, I need to do that. I need to turn to Jesus. I see you right there in the back. Thank you, sir. Who else? Just make it known. I'm just looking to connect with you so that we can pray together. And right there in the, in the middle in the back. Thank you. And if you're online, you just type it in the comments and write in, I need to say yes to Jesus. And those of you who raised a hand or you just wrote that in the comments, would you pray with me? Praying is you talking to God. You just talk to God for a moment. You might say something like this. You say, Jesus, would you forgive my sin and save my life? Just say that to him with me. Say it. Jesus, would you forgive my sin and save my life? 
Just say it to him, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Say it with me, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Thank you for giving me mercy. I received this gift of salvation right now. Jesus, I'm yours from this moment on. You are my Lord and my Savior from this moment on. Jesus Christ, you are my Savior and I am your son, your daughter, your child. I belong to you now. Thank you for loving me and saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen. Why don't we stand together and why don't we celebrate for a moment? I'm so grateful that God brings new life and brings people into his gift of salvation. Lord, I pray that by your spirit in this moment, we would continue to experience whatever you have for us. Any good and perfect gift you have for us, Lord, I pray you'd bring it now. It just I know it takes a little bit of attentiveness in a moment like this. And we want to shrug our shoulders a little bit, take a deep breath, that's good. But I want you to stay with me for two minutes in God's presence. Maybe longer, but let's just see if there's anything else that Holy Spirit wants to do. So, Lord, we remember that in your word, it says, Jesus, that you returned to Galilee full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so for some of us, uh, we feel like that's a distant idea. And this is what I'm picking up on this moment. That for some of us, we feel uh, worn out. We feel tired to the bone. And I feel like in this moment, what God wants to do is give you a full measure of His Holy Spirit's power so that you can be raised up in strength. And so you can know what it's like to live without so much striving, but being carried and lifted by the power of God. And so Lord, I pray that for every one of us who's weary, your power would come, even now in this moment, that your power would come and that we would be lifted. We would be carried up a few levels. And so while we're all praying together, if that's you, if you're going, I'm weary, I'm the one who's worn out. You just talked about me and you want that touch from God, would you just raise your hand right now? Just raise it, several of us. I knew it, I just knew it. God, thank you, you're so good and you see us right where we are. And I pray, Father, that your power would come right now. That those of you who had one hand raised, raise both of them up like a funnel for a moment. And Holy Spirit, I pray your power would come even right now, just like a mighty rushing wind. And God, I pray your power would come and bring a freshness, a, a sense of strength to each one right in this moment. Now I want you to raise your voice with me. Those who had your hand raised, I want you to raise your voice with me and say, God, I need your power to come. Say it with me. God, I need your power to come. And say this, and to fill me up. To fill me up, Lord. Come on, just raise your voice with me. Fill me up, Lord. Come on, fill me up, Lord. Come on, say it. Fill me up, Lord. To overflowing, God. I pray, Father, for a rush of wind to come. And it would be like, like a, a ship on the ocean that finally caught the breeze just right and the sails billow out full. And I'm prophesying right now over somebody where you have felt like you've been pushing by your own strength. I am telling you right now, you are going to wake up in the morning tomorrow and you're going to have a spring in your step and you're going to feel like you're being carried forward in your life. You're walking into that meeting that you've been dreading with the confidence of the child of God that you are. You're going to go into that client discussion that you've got that's on the calendar for this week. You, you don't know how it's going to turn out, but you're coming in full of the power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to that shift where you've got to walk those halls and go back into all of those places and you're going empowered by God, full in the strength of the living God. I declare this prophetically over you. You are full in the power of the Holy Spirit, full in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to simply right now say, God, I receive that. Say it. God, I receive that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, we honor you, and we worship you. Let's sing out together. Let's sing this song again.